Let us pray as we prepare our hearts for the reading and preaching of God's word. God of all wisdom, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as scripture is read and Pastor Dale preaches your word, we may receive the life-giving truth you have for us this day. Amen. Our scripture readings this morning are from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 20 through 24, and from Galatians chapter 4, verse 31 through chapter 5, verse 1. When your children ask you in time to come, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your children, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord displayed before our eyes great and awesome signs and wonders against Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land that he promised on oath to our ancestors. Then the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our lasting good, so as to keep us alive as is now the case. And from Galatians, So then, friends, we are children, not of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is the word of the Lord. Last Wednesday was Veterans Day, and so in honor of our veterans, our sermon today is on the stewardship of freedom. In our Grace Upon Grace sermon series, we have been trying to be more consciously aware of the gift after gift after good gift that God gives to us around us and within. And we have been talking about how to be good stewards of those good gifts. In other words, how to use those gifts wisely and well. More than that, how to use those gifts faithfully after the purpose for which God gave them to us. And so today, the stewardship of freedom. In 1862, President Lincoln referred to our nation as the last best hope of the earth. A year later, he went to Gettysburg after the battle to dedicate a portion of the battlefield as a cemetery for veterans from the Northern Army who had given their lives in the Battle of Gettysburg. You remember what he said on that day. He said that our ancestors had founded a new nation conceived in liberty, conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all people are created equal. He ended those brief remarks with these words, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, and that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people 
by the people and for the people shall not perish from the earth. 20 years later, a statue was erected in the harbor facing New York City. In its right hand held high was a torchlight, and in its left hand a tablet with a date inscribed. The date is July 4, 1776. And at the base of the statue, these words, give me your tired, your poor and huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The blessed, the, um, <laughs> the wretched refuse of your teeming shores send these the homeless tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Woodrow Wilson said that America lives in the hearts of every person everywhere who longs for a place where they can have the freedom to live out their own destiny as they choose. And Thomas Jefferson said that all tyranny needs to get a foothold is for people of good conscience to remain silent. All tyranny needs is for people of good conscience to not lift their voices. The stewardship of freedom. It isn't just about resistance to tyranny or physical resistance to tyranny. It is about, about a battle of ideas. Some ideas enslave people and some ideas set people free. When our nation was born, there was a prominent idea that had been believed by many people for a long time. It was called the divine right of kings. It was the idea that because kings are appointed by God, they have a right to rule as they see fit, and there is no recourse. It was an idea that enslaved many people. Compare that to the idea of our nation founding a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Some ideas enslave, and some ideas set free. There was an idea prevalent for a long time in a large part of the world. It was the idea that when you die, you are reborn, you are reincarnated time after time after time, and reincarnated into a caste in the society, into a certain strata of the society, reborn into that caste, either because uh, it's a high caste and you earned it, or because it's a low caste and you deserve it because of your former lives. And so don't uh, rebel against your caste. Accept your fate. It was an idea that enslaved. Compare that to the idea, give me your tired, your poor and huddled masses yearning to breathe free. I hold the lamp beside the golden door. In the last century, uh, there was the idea of a master race, that one race in particular is superior to all others and therefore has the right to govern the world. And people who believed that idea tried to create a tyranny throughout the world. Compare that to 
the scriptures that say in Christ, there is not slave or free, there is not Jew or Gentile, there is not male or female, but all are one, all are equal in Christ. Or to our own uh, Declaration of Independence or uh, that um, all people have a, all people are created equal and have certain inalienable rights, among them life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Some ideas enslave, some ideas set free. There is an idea not spoken much, but lived out a great deal in our world yet today. It is the idea of might makes right. It is the idea of the strong can do what they want with the weak, and the weak can do nothing about it. And many people in our world are enslaved to that idea, not spoken, but lived out in our world. Compare that to the idea of the rule of law and equality and justice for all. The freedom of, or the stewardship of our freedom begins with a struggle about ideas. And the stewardship of freedom begins with choosing those ideas and standing for those ideas and lifting your voice for those ideas that set people free. Now the Apostle Paul in Galatians uh, chapter 5 is struggling against an idea that would enslave people. Missionaries had come to his churches in Galatia preaching a gospel that said, if you would truly follow Jesus, if you would be faithful to Jesus, then you must first submit yourself to become a Jew. Males must be circumcised. Everyone must submit themselves to the laws of Moses in all its intricate detail, with all its rituals, must all observe the laws of clean and unclean, the holiness code, must enter into a community that was pretty narrow and pretty excluding. If you would follow Jesus, you were to do those things. It was an idea that would enslave many people. The Apostle Paul says, no, not so, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Christ has set you free from all of those rituals and all of that burdensome law. In fact, Christ has set you free in a hundred different ways. Christ has set us free from the past, from anything we regret about the past, any burdens we carry from the past. Christ has set us free from our sins, with their guilt and their punishment. Christ has set us free to a future where we can grow into all that God wants us to be. Another place, Paul says, anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The Gospel of John agrees. In chapter 8, it says, if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. Romans chapter 8 talks about the glorious freedom of the children of God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says that you are called to freedom. God calls people to freedom. So how are we to be good stewards of the freedom that God calls us to? 
Well, Galatians suggests two things. The first one is in chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. Do not, uh, literally it means let something get a hold of you and drag you down so that you are not free. Now, what are the things in our personal lives that can enslave us, that can drag us down so that we can't get free? And how do we stand firm against those things? Well, I for one know uh, the losses and the sorrow caused by addictions in people's lives. My mother discovered just last year that none of her grown children had any memories of our father when we were little, when he was not an alcoholic. She said that it shouldn't be that way. We were 9 and 10 and 11 years old before he became an alcoholic. She was so surprised we had no memories of uh, earlier, happier days. No knowledge of our father as a great father and husband. And it made her sad. And I began to think when she reminded us that the alcoholism didn't begin till we were 10, I began to think back on my memories. And I realized I do have some memories where I'm with my father and I'm not feeling anxious or not feeling unsafe or not worried how this might turn out wrong. I do have memories when I'm with my father and everything is fine and I feel good and I'm having a good time being with him. And I realized that those are probably the memories from before he began drinking. Now, I have mixed feelings about realizing those memories. I'm happy because uh, there are glimpses of when my father was a good dad. But it makes me sad because there are glimpses of what could have been, of what was lost. Uh, my father didn't stop drinking for 20 years, and by the time he stopped, we were all grown and gone from the house and pretty much gone from his life. So I know the losses from things like addiction. For freedom Christ has set us free, so stand fast. That's a call to us as a community to band together, to join with people who are struggling with addictions or to uh, people who have family members or friends who are struggling to say we will stand with you in this. We will not give up. We will continue to pray. We will continue to encourage you. We will help however we can. If Thomas Jefferson is right that tyranny only needs to gain a foothold for people of good conscience to be silent, to not lift their voice, then that means that as a community of faith, we need to break the silence. We need to lift our voices. We need to say, I need help, or my daughter needs help, or my uh, cousin needs help, or my mother. Or s We need help. Come and help us. Come and stand with us. 
Uh, and every, every addiction is not a physical addiction. Last week, a group of 80 or 100 men from our church and from the surrounding community gathered together for breakfast and to talk about pornography, about its prevalence in our community, about how easily accessible it is to anyone of any age through the internet and how powerfully addicting it can be. And we said the first thing to say about pornography is, is that it is a very destructive idea. It is a lie about relationships that will destroy relationships, that will destroy lives. And if Thomas Jefferson is right, then we need to break the silence. We need to speak up about what's going on, our, on in our community. We need to say, I need help, or I will help you, or we will hold one another accountable. As a congregation of God's people, could we be a people willing to stand firm against any yoke of slavery, willing to come alongside one another and help one another with the things that we struggle with? Now the second thing that Galatians says is in verse 13, which we did not read. It's the verse about you were called to freedom. God calls human beings to freedom. It goes on to say, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. The word translated opportunity there literally means as a staging area or as a base camp. Do not use your freedom as a base camp a staging area for self-indulgence. I think that probably we sitting here are among the freest people in the world, not only because of our national freedoms, but also because our level of education and profession and affluence, our privilege, our networks, our ability, our opportunity, we are among the freest people in the world, and we need to ask, why did God give us that freedom? It is not so that we can use it as an opportunity for self-indulgence. Rather, Paul says, through love become servants to one another, for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's why we're called to freedom. Can we be a community of people who urge one another to find that thing in you that you are passionate about that would be good for the world? That we encourage each other to find those passions, those things we can do and want to do to set other people free, to make the world better, and then encourage each other to use those passions, to use them together, to use our networks, to use our opportunities. I think one of the greatest powers on the earth would be if the church decided that together <clears throat> we will use what we have, the resources that we've got, <clears throat> the freedoms we have to live out the commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves, <clears throat> to love one another as God has loved us. <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln reminded 
the people. That others had died for their freedom. That others had sacrificed to be sure that they were free. Many of our veterans have friends who made that sacrifice. Jesus also, you remember, made that sacrifice. Died that we might live. Died that we might be set free. And so Abraham Lincoln urged us that we highly resolve that those sacrifices for freedom have not been made in vain. That we highly resolve that those sacrifices not be in vain. If we would be good stewards of our freedom, then first of all, we would enter in the battle of ideas. And we would choose the ideas that set people free. And we would commit to them. And we would raise our voices in behalf of those ideas. And then together, we would stand firm against every yoke of slavery, everything that pulls people down in our community and around us. We would be a people that insist we will help one another with those things. And then we would be a community that keeps asking, what is your deepest passion to do good for the world and support you and help you to do it? Our calling to be a free people is a sacred call. Let us pray. <clears throat> we are grateful to you, O God. We are grateful to you, O Christ, that for freedom you have set us free. We pray for those among us and for ourselves where we are not free, where we are pulled down and held back. We pray that as a community, we would support one another to personally become free, remain free, and that you would help us to use our opportunity of freedom not for self-indulgence, but to live the commandment that we will love our neighbors as ourselves. To that cause, we commit ourselves. Help us to highly resolve that we will do these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.